Well, today we celebrate again the freedom without restrictions, actually, our first Sunday together. And also, too, of course, this is the 4th of July. We celebrate our nation's birthday, and I think it's the 245th birthday coming up. Wow, you just blink and they just grow up. It was almost two and a half centuries ago that the United States was born. A nation based on the ideals of, of liberty and responsibility, godliness, and the freedom to become what God intended us to become, all of that is a new and revolutionary idea. The celebration of our nation's birthday is really uh, a celebration of freedom. We celebrate the precious gift of freedom because of the price others paid. As you see, we must remember that freedom isn't free. <laughs> freedom is very expensive. It has cost some people everything, including their lives. Freedom isn't free, but it is incredibly valuable. The ideal of freedom is an ideal that our founding fathers believed valuable enough to risk everything on. If you look at the list of those who signed that Declaration of Independence and go back and, and, and see what happened to all of them, it, it was a sacrifice for them. They risked the, their fortunes, they risked their families, their reputations, and their honor as well. They risked their very lives, and many of them paid for our freedom with their blood and the blood of their children as well. And today, as we worship in security and comfort, we do so because thousands of young men and women have given their lives and shed their blood on foreign soil. They died in, in forsaken places with names not remembered so that we could experience the joy and responsibility of freedom. Americans have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we can taste the, the fruit of freedom that springs from the tree of liberty as described by Thomas Jefferson in his letter to William Smith dated back November 13, 1787, where Jefferson wrote this. He said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Freedom is not free. The price is always paid in blood. And the blood spilled by a young American by young American men and women isn't the first time blood was spilled for freedom. The blood spilled on battlefields called Concord and Charleston and Yorktown was not the first time blood was spilled for freedom. Over 2,000 years ago, a young man's blood spilled upon the ground so that we could all experience freedom as well. Jesus came in order to bring us freedom from a number of human problems. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that together. And in John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And then later, the apostle Paul wrote these words regarding the work of Jesus in setting us free. In Romans chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And in the message, it says this, in that same verse, it says, the spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. It's kind of fun to look at the message sometimes along with the regular scriptures, see how it flows in that way. But today we celebrate our independence from tyranny 
and bondage to an oppressive government, an independence won almost 250 years ago, two and a half centuries ago. But we celebrated independence as a nation that is temporary. A day will come when we no longer enjoy the freedoms we have, and you probably feel that that day has come, and maybe it's getting even closer. But not... Nevertheless, we we celebrate our independence. But shouldn't we daily celebrate our independence from the tyranny and bondage of of guilt and sin and fear and death? An independence won over 2,000 years ago? Shouldn't we celebrate and discover an independence that will last for all of eternity and not just temporary? If you want to be truly free, free from all that has uh, tied you tied your life down and buried you under a a tremendous weight of of fear and guilt, then today's message is for you. Today we'll explore just uh, three ways, three of the ways, actually, that Jesus sets us free if we will only have the faith to believe him and believe in him. So the first thing that we have down here uh, as far as the way Jesus sets us free is he, he gives us freedom from guilt. Freedom from guilt. In other words, our past can't haunt us. (laughs) Our past can't haunt us. Freedom from guilt. Have you been dragging your past around? (laughs) Have you been thinking about those things and and thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that in the past? And it just kind of comes back to haunt you. You've done things in the past that have hurt others and maybe have hurt you as well too. You've failed miserably in the past. Maybe you failed at your marriage. Maybe you failed at parenting. Maybe you failed financially because of your own irresponsibility. Maybe you failed at, at religion. It's just too, too hard to keep all the rules. Maybe you failed and you failed and failed. And, and, and the guilt of your failures and your poor choices drag, you around, drag around behind you. And you keep on dragging that around. It keeps you from soaring like on eagle's wings, right? Your past sins are an anchor that keep you grounded when you long to be more, when you long to reach the sky and soar. But how would you like to be free from that guilt? The key word for, for this, this uh, part of freedom is forgiveness or, for, or being forgiven. In Colossians, 1, Colossians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, it says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The message, again, uh, says this wonderfully as well. It says, but now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. (laughs) Satan seemed to be pretty victorious in the Garden of Eden and at the cross of Jesus, but God turned Satan's apparent victory into defeat when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's why we emphasize that when we have communion time, when we say Jesus died on the cross, we don't just leave it there. When we have VBS and the time comes when we give the message to the children and let them know about salvation, we let them know that Jesus died on the cross. He buried and put in the tomb. But we don't leave them there. We give the good news. The tomb is empty. Jesus rose from the dead. He is in heaven preparing a place for those who have placed their trust for eternal life in Jesus Christ alone. And that's what we do. That's how we communicate. And that's what we need to remember. So death is no longer a source of dread or fear for us because Jesus conquered that. Christ overcame it. And one day we will also, there's going to be a day where we will come to death's doorstep. 
and it will be a day where we'll be ushered before God. And that day, then we'll be given account of all that has gone on before us. And if we don't have Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're not going to have much to stand upon. But if we have Jesus as our Savior, we've, we've received him as Savior, and you're living for him, you know, not just... A lot of people sometimes have salvation as fire insurance, if you know what I mean. They want to keep away from hell. But that's not... Salvation is... <laughs> Is good, yes, of course. But while we're here, we should be doing something about that. We should be living for Christ. We should be letting others know about Jesus and what he's done for you. Yes, salvation is that, that, that great, great grace in our life. But also, too, the second work of grace in our life of being sanctified before God and, and saying yes to what he has for us. Don't miss out on that, too. Got to got to be living in victory, in that. But uh, death has been defeat, defeated, and uh, we we have hope beyond the grave. In Ephesians chapter one verse seven it says, "In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins." In the New Living uh, uh, Translation, it says, "He is so rich in kindness that He purchased our freedom through the blood of His Son, and our sins are forgiven." If you're here today and you haven't heard that before, I, I trust that it's like music to your ears, <laughs> that you are forgiven. You just need to receive that forgiveness by praying to Jesus and receive him as Savior because he's done the work. He's done the work. And because of the work of Jesus uh, did in winning uh, our freedom, we don't have to carry our guilt around with us anymore. You can release it and be free. I'm reminded of a movie back in 1986. <laughs> We're talking way back when. 1986, a movie called The Mission. Maybe some of you recall it and have seen it. Maybe you've seen it again. If you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good movie um, recalling uh, redemption. And the story is told of Captain Rodrigo Mendoza. Mendoza was a slave trader in the mid-1700s. And Mendoza and his men would enter the jungles of Brazil and Ecuador to raid the Indian villages and take prisoners to sell as slaves. He even went so far as to raid the Catholic missions to take prisoners from the Indians that were there. In a duel over a woman, Captain Mendoza kills his own brother and falls into a remorse-filled depression, believing God cannot forgive him. Have you ever been at that moment in your life? Have you been to a moment where you thought, I've done too much. God could not, could not forgive me of this. And you feel like you're beyond his grace and mercy. That's where this person fell. And, uh, but one of the priests from the mission, San Carlos, offers Mendoza a chance to seek penance. If you remember the movie, he climbs this huge mountainside cliff that has a waterfall. Along the way, he is carrying a large cargo net filled with many various items that weigh him down. And once he reaches his goal, one of the Indian people cut his cargo net from him, indicating the forgiveness given. And just as uh, Rodrigo Mendoza found forgiveness at the hands of those he had violated, we too find forgiveness in the nail-scarred hands of the one we have violated and betrayed. Just as the people Mendoza had sinned against cut his guilt away from him and set him free with forgiveness, so the God we have sinned against cuts our guilt away 
and sets us free with the forgiveness He offers in His Son, Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be nice to know that you don't have to drag your past around with you? Wouldn't it be nice just to be able to let that go, to have it cut from you? Wouldn't forgiveness be a breath of fresh air for you? You can have that forgiveness because Jesus offers it to us. When we come to Jesus, the Son of God, and let him set us free, we are free from guilt. But there's another freedom that Jesus offers to us as well. And it's freedom from consequence. Freedom from consequence. To remember that Christ died in our place. We all know that when the law is broken, there are consequences. Sometimes we escape the illegal consequences of our crimes, but there are still consequences in some way, some form. And the guilt we just talked about is a consequence of our sin. And there are others as well. But there is one consequence that no matter how hard our heart and how seared our conscience, we must all face. The ultimate consequence for sin is death. That's the ultimate consequence. That's the price paid. Not just physical death, because some of us think about that. We think, oh, well, physical death, all right. But it is also spiritual death. It's a separation from God. I don't think we can fathom that at all because we've had God with us all the, all, all the time. But I guess you could probably think through it and, 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 and think, well, life without God or life void of God, what would that look like? And just think of all the things that God has provided, all the ways God has directed you, all the ways that in his mercy has helped us. Remove that. Erase that. Then you have a life without God. I don't think I'd want to live that life. But there is that consequence. The Bible teaches that we will all face judgment. Hebrews 9, 27, chapter 9, verse 27 tells us that everyone has to die once, then face the consequences. That verse tells us that there is a consequence for our sin. And that consequence, of course, is clearly stated in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin, though, is death. And that's a severe consequence. According to Scripture, the ultimate consequence for our sin is one that we cannot pay. We can't. That's why in Old Testament times they always had all those sacrifices going on to please God. But we don't, we don't have to pay that price. The penalty for our sin has already been paid. Our account has been credited, and we are, as we saw a minute ago, no longer guilty. And the key word here for us to remember is vicarious. Done by one person, substituting for another. And maybe you can get an idea of that when you vicariously live through the lives of your children. <laughs> You look at what they're doing and see how they're doing things and go, wow, I wish I could have done that, but they're doing it. I'll just enjoy what they're doing. And you live vicariously through them. Christ has dealt with the consequences for our sin. It's not that the ultimate consequence isn't required. It's that someone has already paid it for you. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he was receiving the consequences of my sin and your sin as well. And in John chapter 19, we read the story of the death of, of, of Jesus. And at the end, 
when he died, he called out, it is finished. At least that's how we translate it in most Bibles today. But that phrase, it is finished, is not the most accurate translation. In the original text, the word translated finished is a commercial word that means it is paid, the debt is paid in full. I've mentioned that before and I've described what that is, uh, is like. But when Jesus died upon the cross, he paid our debt in full and as a result set us free from the ultimate consequence of our sin. But don't misunderstand me. There are still consequences for our sin. When we choose to speed or run that red light, we still will get that ticket and we still have to pay. When we cheat on our taxes, there are still penalties. When we reject our marriage vows and commit adultery, the trust in our relationship is still broken. The marriage may still come to an end. That's a consequence. When we sin, there are going to be temporal consequences. That is the nature of life. If, if you've lived a life before you knew Jesus, you lived a life of drug use and abuse, your body is going to have that consequence. You're going to live with that later on. Now, barring anything that Jesus can do miraculously in your body, in your life. But you're going to live with those consequences. They're just those things that happen because of sin that are not removed. You can't set something in motion and expect that there will be no repercussions from it. <laughs> but when Jesus sets us free, he frees us from the ultimate consequence. We don't have to pay God for our sins. We are made right with him. Eternal death and eternal separation from God are consequences we don't have to face if Jesus has set us free. In Christ Jesus, we have freedom, freedom from guilt. Our past cannot haunt us. And we are free from the ultimate consequence of our sinful lives because Christ paid our debt. And then, of course, a third freedom Jesus offers us is the freedom from accusation. Freedom from accusations. We no longer have to live in fear. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How nice is it not have to run and hide? How nice is it not to have to worry about what someone else will find out about you? How nice would it be to be free from all accusations and the fear that your sins are going to be discovered? That would certainly be a freeing experience. Because if you've given your sins up to Jesus and he's forgiven them, you're free. <laughs> free from accusation. That's in the past. And the only one that's probably going to bring it up to you is, is Satan. The devil will do that. But don't let him. Remind him that those sins have been forgiven, washed in the blood. How would it feel to be free from all accusation? Just think about that. Would you have a sense of relief? Would you, would you have a sense of, of release as well? Would you feel as though a weight had been lifted from your shoulders? that cargo net cut from your back? Would you feel free? How would you feel to know that there was no accusation that could be brought against you? Like I said, if Satan brought that up again, you'd say, it's been, been, 
been forgiven. Right. It's been forgiven. Jesus has taken that. So you're a little late, Satan, on that one. There is a reason that Jesus sets us free from accusation. It's because when we surrender to him and let him have control of our lives, he makes us blameless. Blameless. And that would be a key word for this. Blameless. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are blameless before God when we know his son, Jesus, when we received him as Savior. That word blameless means free of guilt, not subject to blame. What an incredible way to be able to live a life, blameless. <laughs> and as I mentioned already, Jesus took care of the eternal consequences of our sin, but he did more than that. He also took care of our guilt. He satisfied the requirements of the law. And when the law is broken, a death was required, and, and, and he paid that penalty for us. So not on our own, but through him, we, we are found free of guilt and not subject to Subject to blame. So we are free from accusation, and when a man is free from accusation, he is free from a great deal of the fear that this life offers. We don't have to live in fear. We can stand before God and others and, and not fear any accusations. Now, being free of accusation doesn't mean that no accusation will come. <laughs> Maybe people will bring accusations to us. We will certainly face those of all sorts in this life. Many are well-deserved because of what we have done in our past. People have seen our sins and our mistakes, and they want to know why we now claim to be different. It shouldn't threaten us when those people come to us. It should give us uh, the opportunity to share with them the tran transformation that Jesus brings to our lives. Say, so, yes, that's who I was. <laughs> that's where I was, was at. But then when I met Jesus and received him as Savior, all of that was forgiven, and now I live a new life. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is why I don't do that anymore Amen. in the transformation. We have an opportunity to be able to let others know. But we shouldn't fear accusation. We are now free of guilt. We are no longer subject to blame. The account has been laid to rest, and we can live without fear of a, of a hidden past being exposed. Has already been brought to light and dealt with, and we don't have to be concerned about it. Reminds me of a story of a boy named Billy and his grandfather. And uh, his grandfather had, the, had a slingshot. One day he asked his grandfather if he would teach him how to shoot the slingshot. His grandfather took, into, took him into the back, back woods there and began to teach the boy. The grandfather told Billy to go and practice for a while. So Billy was in the woods alone, kept missing everything he shot at. Billy, on his way back to the house, saw his grandfather's duck, decided to try his aim in the slingshot once more. Billy took aim and shot at the duck, and he hit his mark square on. The duck fell over dead. Well, Billy took the duck, buried it in the ground, and as he looked up, he saw his sister Sally standing there watching him, attempting to hide his deeds. Sally and Billy went back into their grandparents' house, and as they did so, Billy told Sally not to say anything. Sally said, sure, no problem. And the kid's grandfather told Sally to go into the kitchen and help her grandmother wash the dishes. Sally said, oh, you know, Billy is the best dishwasher in the family. He would love to wash the dishes. Remember the duck? Yeah. Billy washed the dishes that night. The next day, Billy's grandfather said, Billy, let's go fishing today. 
Sally, your grandmother needs your help around the house, so stay here and help her out. And Sally responded again, well, you know, Billy hates fishing, but loves housework. Isn't that right, Billy? As she reminded him of the duck again. So Billy stayed at home that day while Sally went fishing. This went on for several days. Sally blackmailed Billy into every unpleasant chore around the farm and out of every enjoyable opportunity they had, too. Finally, Billy had had enough, and he decided to confess his crime. And much to his surprise, his grandfather said this, I know you killed the duck. <laughs> I saw you through the window. I, I also saw your sister standing there watching you. I forgave you when it happened because I love you. I just wanted to know how long you would let yourself be your sister's slave. <laughs> how long would you let that go on? When we don't turn to Jesus and confess our sins and allow him to cleanse us, we are slaves to our past and to our guilt, and we are susceptible to accusation. <laughs> but once we come clean, we are free from accusation. We are no longer a slave. When we come to Jesus and let the Son set us free, we are free from guilt, we are free from the ultimate consequence of our sinful lives, and we are free from accusation. Today there will be many gatherings celebrating the freedom of our nation. And more than that, we will all have celebrated the sacrifice necessary to give us the freedom we love so much. But there is a greater freedom than that of political freedom. There is a freedom we can have in Jesus Christ if we will place our trust in him, if we will surrender our lives to him. Jesus bled and he died. He gave his life so that you and I could be free. And if you haven't accepted his sacrifice and the freedom it brings, today's opportunity for you to do that. If you have done that, but then there's some, something, it just causes you to, 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 to back up a bit on, on your walk with, with Jesus. Well, today is an opportunity to get right with God as well, too, because he is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth and fifth and sixth. God forgives you. We just need to receive it. We just need to go and say, I, I acknowledge that I did wrong. This, is, this was wrong, what I did. I am a sinner, and I need your grace and mercy in my life. Asking him to come in. That's all it takes. There is that freedom, though, we can have with Jesus. Of course, if you place your trust in him for eternal life, but also, too, if you surrender your lives to him, that is the most free way to live. I'm going to have Andy and the worship team come on up. They're going to lead us in the last couple songs. And as they do, I just want to remind you of the freedom we have in Christ. If you're not living that freedom right now, then the altar's open. You can come and pray if you want, be able to do that. But just be reminded that Jesus is there offering this for you. Freedom to be able to live life uh, uh, without accusation, without guilt, without fear, be able to live life without the ultimate consequence, and to be reminded of a God who loves you. If you need to come and do that for the first time, again, the altar is open. If you need to come and renew that, the altar is open for you as well to come and pray. But as you do come, um, just be reminded of, of the promises that Jesus has in his word and he will never leave you, never forsake you. And he loves you dearly.
As we sing these songs, I trust that it will be a reminder of, uh, again, our position in him and how much he loves us as well. So as we sing, let's, let's be worshiping God in this.